0: Hallelujah. The Lord is good, yes, he is. and he's worthy of all praise. Yes. Hallelujah. Mighty Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's start looking at, uh, or continue to look at verse 18. And um, speaking of the, well, let me just read it here. For you are not come to to the Mount or Mount Sinai, that might be touched by the burning with fire and with the blackness of the darkness of tempest, the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard entreated that they should uh, not be spoken any more. This is talking about when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they went. 30 days and they came to Mount Sinai. And this is where the Lord came and told Moses, he said, come up to the mount and I'll uh, give you the laws, the Ten Commandments. But I said, go back down and tell the people and the priests and everything not to come near the mountain because my presence is coming down. And if they, in their state of being, in their mentality, they tried to rush up to the mountain and get a peek at God. Because remember, they had never seen God. Even until the, when they were going through the wilderness, all they ever saw was a pillar of fire by day, a, a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. They never, God was not approachable. He was always a God afar off. Not until the word became flesh. In the New Testament, was God touchable through the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name. So he says, we've not come to Mount Sinai. We've not come to that scary mountain with all the fire and the, the earthquake and everything that was involved there. It was very foreboding. It was not welcoming at all. But it says, we've come on to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Hallelujah. If you would t- turn to uh, Galatians chapter four and explains a little bit more the, the symbolism that's there, starting in verse twenty one. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not uh, hear the law? It is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and another by a free woman. So you have to. Uh, give this little backdrop of the book of Galatians. Paul went there and, and started, uh, went first to the synagogue, and then when they rejected him, he said, I go to the Gentiles. Yes. But Paul, when he was going through the various churches, he had this group of, uh, well, he referred to them as Judaizers. They kept following him, and what they were trying to do, they were perverting the gospel and saying that, uh, that they had to have the law plus Christ. They needed, they needed to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior, but they also needed to keep the law, do all the sacrifices and so forth. So they were mixing and blending, and Paul said, did you come to God by the law or by faith?" And so the, there this, was this constant bickering back and forth. So this is what he's saying here, is that there were two women and two children. You had Hagar that bore a son, Ishmael, out of the flesh because they got tired of waiting. Actually, Abraham was 89 years old when... Ishmael was born uh, th- from Hagar. And goes, And then the seed of promise was the Lord said Ishmael will not inherit but a seed out of your own loin will be brought forth. And that was, uh, it was Isaac. It was the seed of promise. So it goes on in here in Galatians and it says that Hagar represents the law and the bondage of the law. Where Isaac represented the new covenant and, the new, and a new purpose in God for the people. Let me just read a couple of verses here which things are, verse 24, which things are symbolic, there are two covenants, one from Mount Sinai, which giveth birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For Hagar is the Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, which is in bondage and her children. They're under the bondage of the law. See, the law was to lead us again Galatians later on tells us the law was our schoolmaster to lead us unto Christ it was to tell us what see the law defines sin up until then they didn't know what sin was it it gave a a framework it gave gave the boundaries of what sin was definition of what sin was. Let's continue. Verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, and it's the mother of us all. So there's the two. He says, you are bound to the natural Israel, the physical Israel on the earth but there's another Israel, another Jerusalem that's coming down from heaven, which is where I dwell. So we have two, two different theologies here. One that was based on the law of sin and death and never could bring anything into perfection, to completeness, to maturity. But then there's the, the grace of Jesus Christ manifested in and through us, which brings us unto God. Under the old covenant, we never could approach God. Under the new covenant, he says, come unto me. Can you hear this? He says, come unto me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There was no such thing as coming unto God before Jesus Christ came. The high priest could go in once a year to make atonement for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Once a year. How would you like not be able to approach God except once a year? Well, blessed be his name. Let's go and turn back to Hebrews chapter 7 began talking last week a little bit about the priesthood and the the New Covenant priesthood. Not under the laws and auspices of the Aaronic priesthood, which was under the Old Testament, but a New Testament priesthood. And Abraham in in Genesis 14, met this after he had rescued Lot from, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, rescued them from the the six kings that came and attacked them. He met this Melchizedek, which they describe as king of righteousness, king of Salem, or, or peace, and also A wonderful title says Priest of the Most High God. Mighty one. Without mother and father, without sister and brother, without beginning of days or end the hour. He was a priest forever. Let's look at chapter 7 here in Hebrews and learn a little bit more about this Melchizedek. Verse 1 on the Weymouth translation. For this man, Melchizedek, priest of Salem, priest of the Most High God, he who, when Abraham was returning from defeating the kings, met him and pronounced a blessing on him. And he said, continuing... He said, "...to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all, uh, a tenth part of, of all, first being interpreted the king of righteousness, and after that the king of Salem, which is the king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days or end of life. But is made like unto the Son of God, which abideth a priest continually." To me, that indicates, the writer of Hebrews indicates to me, from my understanding is, when Melchizedek showed up, it was Jesus Christ. His description, to me, shows it was an epiphany of the Lord Jesus Christ showing up. Showing Abraham, or Abram at that point, that... There was something beyond what he knew and what he he was doing, and that God had, God blessed him, and he, his life was going to be different from that point on. Mm -hmm. Verse 11 says, if therefore perfection, the the Greek word teleos, is, uh, teleosis, excuse me, completion, fulfillment, accomplishment. To me, that's the performance of all God wants and requires. If perfection came through the Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood, for under that we received the law, what further need was there for another priest should arise in the order, in the arrangement, in the fixed succession of Melchizedek and not be called after Aaron? And goes on and said because there was a new covenant coming, there needed to be a new priesthood. Because the Aaronic priesthood, all they could minister was the soul that sins will die. Well, that's why it's called the law of sin and death. If you sin, depending on the, on the Requirement of the sin or the severity of the sin it could cause death at the very least you had to bring a sin offering and all that sort of have your sin covered that's what's so marvelous about the New Testament our sins are not covered from year to year they're removed we're no longer accountable for what we did we may remember it but God doesn't. He says, I bury it in the sea of my forgetfulness. Which always puzzles me because he's omniscient, which means he knows everything. How can the one that knows everything forget? Because he chooses to. Hallelujah. He chooses to forget our sins. And when we go to him and say, Lord, I'm still troubled with what I did here and that. And if we could hear him in the spirit, it says, what are you talking about? I have no remembrance of what you're saying. Hmm. So why should we remember and hold ourselves accountable for something God doesn't? Guilt will keep you from going on with God. And that's why the, the accuser of the brethren brings up those things within our minds so who we think we're unqualified when God says, you are qualified because I've qualified you. I'm the one that has come and injected myself into your life and made you worthy. Made us worthy. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed Lord God. Blessed Lord God. Let's continue. Dropping down to 15. It's far yet more evident that for after the similitude of Melchizedek there arises another or a different priest who is made not, not after the laws of carnal commandments, not after, not having to come through the Levitical uh, priesthood line, but after another, another priest who is not made after the law of carnal commandments, but after the power of endless life. What was the description, one of the descriptions of Melchizedek? He ministers out of endless life, out of eternal life life. How do we get eternal life? Through Jesus Christ. Seeing any parallels here? For he testified that thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's talking about Jesus Christ here. And in the uh, middle verses there, it talks about him being come out of the tribe of Judah, which By the law, which no priest would come. says, but in order for this priesthood to come, it said there had to be a changing of the law. God's the only one who can change his own law. Blessed be his name. Let's continue. Blessed Lord God. Verily, uh, is there a disannulling or a a cutting away of the commandments going before of the the weakness and unprofitable thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, brought nothing to completion, nothing that would bring them to maturity. There was always, they would always fall short because they were trying to work to please God instead of having God in them to make them pleasing. Because God was always afar off. He was unapproachable. I know it's hard for us to relate to that since He is so approachable for us now. But just think about that. That they have to carry the, the guilt of their sin a whole year until the Day of Atonement. Yeah, they could offer sin offerings and so forth, but the guilt was still there. But our great Lamb of God became the one and great sacrifice. That's why John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, not sins, but the sin of the world, the sin nature. Jesus came not just to cover our sins, but he came to do away with the sin nature, that which causes us and relates to sin. Blessed be his name. Let's continue here. It made nothing perfect, but the bringing of a better hope did, by which we draw near unto God. It's to join together. Uh, And insomuch that without an oath, he was made a priest, for the priests were made without an oath, but this one was made with an oath. It says, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much, Jesus made a surety or a pledge of a better Testament or a better covenant. Blessed be His name. And he said, uh, verse twenty-three talks, talks and twenty-four talk about being an unchangeable priesthood, because under the old covenant, the high priest would be priest until he died, and then they had to have a new one. But this one comes with everlasting life, and there's never a never a time for when he has to be replaced. Blessed be his name. But I also love this in verse 25. Wherefore he is able to save us to the uttermost, to the complete extent of divine ability. That's what it means. Think about that. What is the extent of the divine ability? Where does it begin? Where does it end? Wherever your limits are, it's far beyond that. Well, blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. save us to the uttermost, that come unto God through him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus Christ is our intercessor. Anybody ever need any intercession? Any interceding? We've got one that ever makes. Ever makes. Ever makes intercession for us. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get worn out. He says, Father, forgive them. I know they did a bonehead thing. That's not King James, but you get the point. But my blood covers and removes. I died for them. And all we need to do is ask forgiveness and then repent. And then, see, repenting is not just saying I'm sorry. Repenting is turning from it and going in the opposite direction. despising the sin. Too often we you know, just dis- turn from it and then keep looking back at it longingly. Well, we have to despise what that is and who we are when, we're d- when we did that. There's, sin has a great allurement but it always brings death, and separate. Which even is, is even worse. It brings separation from God. Well, let's continue. See, under the old covenant, the sin nature could only be controlled. Thou shall not. A bunch of thou shall not. And the law of sin and and. Uh, of, Thou shalt not the law of sin and death. Under the new covenant, the sin nature is dealt with and removed in the waters of baptism through the remission of sin and the circumcision of the heart. See, under the Old Testament, it was a circumcision externally. But now he says there's no longer external circumcision. That was one of the things that Judaizers did too, is they said the Gentiles have to be circumcised and become like us, Externally. But the Lord Jesus said, and Peter said on the day of Pentecost, for the remission of sins and the circumcision of the heart. Ezekiel said, in, uh, I believe it's 34, he talks about, a new spirit I will give to you and a new heart I will give to you. Some four or five hundred years before Jesus came, even more. Ezekiel was prophesying of what God was going to do and bring forth a new covenant. Jesus brought about and fulfilled all the requirements for the new covenant. Blessed be his name. Through this removal of this nature, we can lose the desire to sin and choose not to sin. Sin is always a choice. I know we can be tempted, but just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you have to pick up the temptation. As long as we're in these bodies, something will be tempted. Desire of the flesh. But greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. Satan tries to tempt us. Well, let me make it, you know, let me just make it simpler. Say that your husbands, you know that your wives know where your triggers are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They know how to get, you know, they don't play fair. They don't cheat fair. You'll be talking about one thing, and they'll bring in this other thing. And I love the phrase, you always, Glidell and I have promised never to use that phrase, because there's no defense for that. It's an accusation. It's a condemnation. And if it's condemnation, it doesn't come from God. Hello? Conviction comes from God, which draws you to him. Condemnation drives you away from him. Who wants to drive you away from God? Satan. Satan. Who wants to draw you to him the Holy Spirit so when you're having these feelings whatever direction it's sending you in you'll know who is behind it, the source of it well the Holy Spirit says come to me come here child come here child of God man of God, woman of God come to me Satan says, now you've done it, God's angry at you, you're worthless, He can do nothing more with you. Does that sound like you're gone? It doesn't sound like mine either. 2 Corinthians five seventeen and 18, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things that come or come into existence are come into being or uh, begin to be new. I love that. In Christ, we're a new creation. The Old things are passed away. All things are of God and have, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen to that. That's bringing... A simple definition of that is bringing two warring factions together and bringing peace. That's reconciliation. Can you hear this? He brought us... We were not looking for God but he showed up Hallelujah. you know what I'm talking about we didn't think we were worthy and Satan made us made us sure that we were not wor- worthy he kept on telling us we were not worthy but the Holy Spirit said he'll make you worthy come unto me draw to me He reconciled us to God. And that's wonderful. But Paul goes on and says, and has given us, can anybody hear this this morning, the ministry of reconciliation. For as he is, so are we in this world. He came reconciling man to God and blessed us with the ability to bring man to God again. Without being from Aaron or being a preacher or whatever, he said, said, you can bring sinners to God and reconcile them to me. It's all of ours' job. Well, Restoration. Blessed be his name. Let's continue. Verse 21. Alois translation. I love this translation of, of this verse. He who do not, did not know sin in an experiential way, speaking of Jesus, on behalf of us and instead of us, was made the representative of sin in order that, as for us, we might become the righteousness of God in him. He who knew no sin became sin. He had never experienced, never done anything that was sinful. But he took upon all the sins of the world that had been committed and never would be committed. Just think about the weight of that. He became sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God I simply say it this way he took on a nature that was not his so we could take on a nature that we could never attain to his righteousness blessed be his holy name blessed be his name bless you Lord God Matthew 5, 17 says, Do you think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets? I I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus fulfilled every prophetic word about the Messiah in his lifetime. Every word. He fulfilled it. He says, I haven't come to do away with the law, but fulfill it. Fulfill the requirement."
1: In verse 19 that you didn't read, I wanted to uh, continue on this. When I read, as Pastor was sharing on this, it it leaped out of my spirit. I wanted to share with you. Mm -hmm. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation, and continues on in verse 19. That is explaining what that means. So we'll say, what does that mean? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, bringing two warring, as Pastor just said, two warring things. They were in complete opposition of one another one o- together. The world is, in, uh, is a diametrically opposed to what Christ yes. stands for. Yes. He's reconciling and bringing those together. How, how is He doing this? And this is the part that I wanted to share with you. And here's what we have to do not imputing their, transpa- their trespasses to them. There's no way to be able to bring reconciliation with others. If there's a situation or a person that you, they've done, they've illed you, they've wronged you, whatever it might be, there's no way for you to bring reconciliation if you continue to bring those accusations in front of them. If you continue to hold those accusations and those trespasses against them, there's no way for reconciliation to have to be brought. So the only way that we can be ministers of reconciliation is if we do not impute those things. If we do not hold those things against those people. So we have to take it and lay it at the cross and say, Jesus, Lord, I give it to you. I can't do anything with it anyway. So I surrender it over to you and I forgive them. I yes. choose to walk in peace. I choose to walk in forgiveness. And Lord, I don't hold that against them any longer. So we choose to reconcile. Yes. God been a minister of reconciliation.
0: Yes. Do
1: yes. So you want to know how that is? That's how you do it. Yes. The great news is, is he's chosen not to impute your sins against you either.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: That's the only way that he can reconcile us, because none of us deserve his grace. Oh, gone. Myla asked me yesterday, Dad, what's my name mean? And I said, "Merciful." What's that mean? It means that you deserve something and you didn't get it.
0: Deserve judgment and you can get it.
1: That's how you are, minister of reconciliation.
0: Thanks, Patrick Clark. Reconciling. Well. You just laid the perfect groundwork for me. Revelation 1, 6. He hath made us kings and priests unto God and to his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. How can we be a, a priest? Do I need to go get ordained and so forth? No. You do exactly what verse 19 said. Not holding against The person that has harmed you, hurt you, whatever. Releasing them from their sin and bringing them to God. That's the the work of the ministry. That's the work of the priesthood. And we don't have to go to Bible school to be a priest. We have to... Here's our textbook. We have to live and move and have our being in this Word, in Him. Thank you. Allow Him to minister through us. That the very nature of Jesus Christ minister through us and give mercy when they deserve judgment. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever received His mercy instead of Judgment. How many? How can we even count the number of times? All my fingers, toes, your toes, and so forth. He is a merciful God. And the woman taken in adultery came in the very act. He said, you that are without sin, cast the first stone. When somebody harms you, I have a right. They had caught her in the very act. She was guilty. By the way, so was the man that didn't show up. That's a whole other story. But the reality is that said, you that are without guilt cast the first stone. All you could hear was rocks dropping and them walking away. And she's still in the dust. And he had been writing in the dust of her situation. He said, where are thy accusers? There are none. Neither do I. Can you understand the weight of that statement to her? She was caught in the act. She had a judgment coming to her. So neither do I condemn thee. And then the most beautiful words, go and sin no more. Now, I'm just simple enough to believe because everything God and the Word Jesus says is creative. That gave her the ability to go and sin no more. Hallelujah. And if he can say that to her, can't he say that to us? Doesn't he say it to us? Blessed be his holy name. Let's continue here. Oh, Holy One, we bless you. Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, and he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. (coughs) If I'm not mistaken, the word brethren there means of the same womb. So I know. I know in Hebrews when he talks about that, it's, a, it's that word of the same womb. He predestined us to be holy and righteous, such, to such an estate that he's not ashamed to call us brethren. He's my brother. She's my sister. I know all of us may have p- parts of the family that we well, I won't go there. Are you sure you're in this family? But he's not ashamed. Blessed be his name. We are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's his desire. That's his heart. That we be conformed to his likeness. In John chapter 14, I wanted to read something there. John 14, starting at um, verse 13. So let's back up to uh, verse 12 verily verily I say unto you he that believeth on or into me the works the very things that he does the activities the energy that he works with that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I am I go unto my father whatsoever you shall ask in my name that will I do, that the Father be glorified in the Son." I like the uh, expression of verse 13 out of the message. It says, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and, uh, and what I am doing, I will do it. James tells us that we ask, but sometimes we ask amiss. I think this is a good definition for us, is when we ask him along the lines of where his heart is, he'll do it. But the key is finding out where his heart is. So therefore, we can ask in his name and his authority, because that's what the, the name means, is that which carries authority and the authority of his name, if you're, wanting, if you're aligning yourself with him and what he is doing and his nature, then we can ask, and he'll do it. Because we're, we're interceding as Jesus Christ would. Understand what I'm saying? It's just, it's really that simple. But too many times... We're asking for our desire, not his desire. You want your prayers asked answered? Line yourself up with, with his heart. Intercede. Get in the presence of the Lord and find out what the mind of Christ is for your situation. Sister Glideau was, was saying about the dry bones. Each one of those situations, those dry bones, the Lord spoke to him and said, told him, prophesy to these bones. Gave gave him the word of the Lord for the situation. Get before the Lord, find the word of the Lord for the situation, and speak the word of the Lord to the situation. Can you hear what I'm saying? Not your words, the word of the Lord. He said, Speak to the bones, tell them to, get to come together. They came together. You got broken families. Seek the Lord and say, Broken family, diverse thinkings, and so forth. I command you to come together in the name of Jesus Christ. God has not given us the spirit of fear, He's not given us the dissension, He's drawn us together. Come against those situations with the word of the Lord. Not your word, His word. Because He always honors His word. Well, bless the Lord. Continuing in John 14. If you ask anything in my name, According to what I'm doing, my purpose, my desire, I will do it. That's quite a promise. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, here's the rub. We say we love him, but do we keep his commandments? The proof that we love him is if we keep his commandments. And may I say it this way. The proportion of our love for him is the proportion of how we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments a little bit, then we love him a little bit. Well, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. But it's a direct proportion. from our obedience to the uh, proportion of our love for him. If you love me, keep my commandments. The psalmist says, and your commandments aren't grievous to me, Lord. If some of his commandments are grievous to you, you you might want to check your attitude. Just saying. Just saying. Bless you, O Lord. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you a comforter. The word is paraclete, one that stands alongside. Another translation of it is basically a defense attorney. that comes and pleads your case before the Lord. i give you an, another comforter. And he will abide. It's the word menal, which means to take up permanent residence with you forever. Uh, even the spirit of the truth whom the, the world cannot receive because it seeth him, it doesn't perceive him, doesn't behold him, doesn't recognize him, receive him not, nor knoweth him. The Greek word genosko, which is to know by experience. Too many times we have a head knowledge of God and not an experiential knowledge of God. See, the problem is we we, we know a whole lot more than we're walking in. We need to get it from between our ears into the innermost being. Can you hear this, please? We can talk a good case, but how much do we live a good case? We may have a good talking testimony, but do we have a living testimony? Because, see, without the living testimony, the talking testimony is worthless. Absolutely Worthless. And at the best, it's hypocritical. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's continue here. Nor see him, nor know of him. But we know him. We have experiential knowledge of him. For he dwelleth with you shall be in you. Hallelujah. Sister Gladell, will you stand up? I'm going to show you the difference between with and in here in the Greek. This is with. Okay? She's been with me for
1: 47 (laughs) years.
0: (laughs) Going on 48. February, that's with. This is in. Can you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference between being with and being in. He said that, one has, that Holy Spirit that's been with you shall now be in you. He's no longer a God that's afar off. He's nigh you, even in your mouth. Here we go again. Speak the word of God. Speak it over the situation. His word is powerful. And Satan cannot, what the Lord Jesus said during the temptation, it is written. That might be a clue for us. Well, prophesy the word of the Lord. Speak the word of the Lord over the situation. God, you promised us household salvation. I'm looking for it. Another thing. Sometimes we pray, and then the next day we pray again for the same thing. Once you know you've gotten hold of God, your petition has been made known. From that point on, give thanksgiving for it. Lord, I'm looking with expectation, with hope, with an expectation, a confidence that that's going to happen. I'm looking for the evidence of it. We keep asking and asking and asking because we don't believe he's heard us. He says, when you pray, I hear you. From that point on, start thanking him for the answer. Blessed be his name. Because he seeth him not, and or knoweth uh, uh, neither heareth him. We know him, and dwells, he dwells with us, with you, shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. I love this word comfortless. It says, I will not, it really means orphans. I will not leave you a orphan. Some of us have been without fathers, without mother. We've been orphaned. God says on his word, he says, I will never leave you orphans. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You may be estranged from your parents or father or mother or both, whatever the case may be. But this one will never leave you or forsake you. You're his child, and he'll never leave you comfortless or as an orphan. You have his word on it. Have his word on it. And he's the right reconciler. Well, they did so much to me, I don't want anything to do with them. The Lord's got a problem with that because he said, I will forgive you as you forgive others. Hello. Anybody ever need any forgiveness from time to time? Guess I'm the only one. Okay. That's why I don't have a long unforgiveness list because in what we call the disciples' prayers, that I will forgive you as you forgive others. Same proportion. proportion. So I'm very forgiving. Well, you need to be also. Let's continue here, please. Drop down to verse uh, twenty three and twenty four Jesus answered uh, uh, yeah, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me and keep my commandments, practices them, treasures them, is careful with them, keep my words, and my father Uh, And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. They'll come and take residence. That's the in us. He that loveth me uh, not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but it's the Father which sent me. Blessed be his name. We have to, again, touch on that same thought a little bit ago. We need to be careful not to mistake the knowledge or revelation of something, of the new covenant, of the Melchizedek priesthood, the ministry, and any other of the maturity of of the saints, the body of Christ, all these things. Let's not mistake the knowledge of them for attaining to them. There's a whole lot of difference between knowing about it and walking in it. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. We can spout off things and, you know, come off very knowledgeable. But do you love your brother? Do you love your sister? Do you? Is your heart full of compassion? See, the problem is that when we get top heavy it can lead to arrogance self-sufficiency and a holier than thou attitude well you just don't know what I know well if you really knew what you think you know you'd reach out to that one and bring them along not look down on them but get down with them That's where knowledge becomes reality. Have you loved your brother? Well, who's my brother? If you're asking that question, you're not even close in the ballpark. Well, blessed be his name. Because we understand the concept does not mean we're walking in it. We haven't apprehended it. It's not functioning in our lives. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, the, of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable per- and perfect will of God. Philip's translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. How many know that's exactly what the world's trying to do? All of us have experienced that. If you can think back to in the eons of time when, at least for me it's eons of time, when I was a teenager, how everything, you know, you had to have this, or you had to have that, or. He had to dress this way or dress that way. Because you got to be accepted by everybody. You've got to be cool. Well, in high school, I never was cool. Couldn't have been cool. Because I wasn't doing what the rest of the kids were doing. That automatically labeled me as uncool. Was I doing everything right? No. But I wasn't conforming to the world. And the problem is, the conforming to the world this week is something different next week. Glido and I laugh all the time. You know, she she was talking about... uh, Oh, yeah, I know what it was. Talking about um, sort of the baggy tops are in, in vogue. She said, You know what's going to happen next time? Skin tight and short. Okay. You have to, so you have to, And we, like cattle, go, mm-hmm. I'll take the short one. Well, amen or oh me. The world is in total opposition to the mind of Christ. And everything the world is putting forth, you can just flip it on the 180 degrees, and that's what the Lord wants. Oh, Brother Chuck. We have all this technology, and it's wonderful, uh, used properly. I don't understand when people are sitting, uh, going out to eat, and, and I observe this a lot because I see it a lot. People are at the dinner table, and all of them are on their phones. They may be texting each other. I don't know. <laughs> but that's the cool thing to do, show how tech-savvy you are. How important you are. I'm eating, you know, roast beef and mashed potato. Selfie! (laughs) I'm glad you're eating, you know, steak and mashed potatoes. But do I really need to know that? Well, I know I'm... I better hide behind here because there may be some stones coming my way it's true. and it's you know, a wonderful way to keep in touch with family and so forth but we get so obsessed with it it takes up so much time that we don't have time as Sister Frida said to put our face in this book That's one of the most awesome things that have been said around because that goes flies in the face of exactly what the world's trying to do. Conform you, get you to do anything and everything to keep your, yourself away from spending time with God. Because the world hates people that ha- have time, have God within them. Because that brings conviction in their life. Because if you can walk in righteousness before God, then that means that they could. So they're going to belittle, malign, and do everything they can to provoke you just so they can say, See, they got mad, and I thought they were a Christian. Well, you're in good company. The Pharisees didn't say a whole lot of good things about Jesus, did they? If they maligned him, they will malign you for the same reason, for the God within you. Well, blessed be his name. Let me read... Romans uh, again, verse three says, "For I say, through the, uh, through the grace given to me, that to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, uh, and but to think soberly, as God dealt to each the measure of faith. Because you have a measure of faith to believe for something, and your brother or sister doesn't have that faith yet." Don't condemn them. Help them grow from faith unto faith. That's what Paul tells us. We are all coming, King James says, from faith to faith. But the reality is it's from or out of faith into a greater faith. All of our faith should be growing, going from faith unto faith. And don't belittle and don't malign those that haven't attained to your faith. Because if you're doing that, then you haven't attained to the thought faith you think you've attained to. Because all that we have is from above. It's not from our generation, from our energies. It's from him. It's from above. Not from your own origin. John 17, and we'll light here, starting at verse 15, John 17:15. I pray, that, pray not that you should take them out of the world, out of the cosmos. Out of the, the word cosmos means the, all that is the worldly organization, all that, those things that are, the, the governments, all that is earthy. Pray that you don't take them out of the cosmos. But that you should keep, oh, all of this. The word keep is to attend to, preserve, to carefully, uh, to carefully guard. It is use of, um, of the keeping power of God over his people. Aren't you glad that God keeps you. That thou should keep them from the evil and it's really evil one. They are not of the world, not of this cosmos, not of this all this earthy even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through or it's actually the word en which is at rest in the truth. Are you resting in his truth? Thy word is truth. As thou have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they may might also be sanctified through the truth. The word of the through the washing of the water of the word. That's what cleanses us. Not on our own cogitation, but on the word of God. Have you ever re- read something in the word of God and felt convicted? You better have. Some of you are looking at some <clears throat> If you haven't read the word and felt c- convicted, then you're not reading the wor- same word I am. The Holy Spirit will nudge you. Let me finish here and we'll uh, be done. Uh, Verse 20. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me or into me through their word. And they that, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they may be one in us. That's God's purpose. To have a people that are one with him. That the world may believe that thou art have sent me, and the glory that thou hast gavest me I have given unto them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one or into one, and that the world may know that thou have sent me and thou hast uh, that that thou love them as thou have loved me, he loves us with an everlasting love see. John 17 is really the Lord's prayer. This is his intercession for his people. From John 17, he went to the cross. This is when he prayed for those he was leaving behind. What did he pray? Father, let them be one as we are one. Let them be one in you. Keep them from the evil one. Keep them from that, the things of the world that would try to destroy them, that would try to incrementally change their lives to be conformed to the image of the world and not the image of your, of, of me, of Christ. See, that's what the problem is. The world sneaks in little by little. World s- sneaking into the church. Just think, you that are old enough to think back maybe 30, 40 years. I know, Amby, that's not, you don't even see, thirties, ancient. <laughs> don't I wish? <laughs> But how how much has changed in the last 30 years? How much has the church changed and accepted what was before considered unholy? What's happened? In order to try to embrace the world, we became like the world. So the sinner wouldn't feel uncomfortable coming to church. Well, if the sinner is not feeling comfortable coming to church, maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't either. Well, yes, we should bring the the sinners in. And it's good that they don't feel comfortable. Because sin always is uncomfortable around holiness. And it should be. But if we have changed so much, that there's no longer conviction in the church then where are we? why are we a church? blessed be his name let's stand please Father we thank you for your word we thank you, my God, that you are creating in the earth a holy priesthood, holy and separated unto you. And Lord, not as a profession, not as a, uh, even a, a calling, Lord, but as a reality in each of our lives. We are all kings and priests unto God. We all have authority in your name and through your name to rule and reign over not only our lives, but in the situation of our families and all that you direct and give unto us. Authority over things in the nation. Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers. Not only did you hear them, but you answered them. So we thank you, my God. Lord, let us not discount the things that, we have, uh, that we've allowed to creep into our lives that are not pleasing to you. Come, O Holy Spirit. Convict, convince my precious one. As, as David said, search my heart. See if there be any wicked, lawless way within me and cleanse me. Let us, let us spend time before you, my God, and said, Lord, are there areas in my life that need to be cleansed, need to be changed? Holy One, we thank you for this precious people. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your conviction. Come, my God, cleanse, Give direction, give deliverance in your precious and holy name. For at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. Lord, we do it now willingly. But every one will, my God, and some not willingly, but they will confess. So come, O Holy One, be glorified this day within our lives. Seal this word to our hearts, my precious one. Let your name be exalted. Let us rejoice in your presence and your goodness and your everlasting love. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. The Lord bless you.